Thank you guys for coming out. Um, just uh, it's just such a blessing that anytime we get to chance, get a chance to fellowship and worship and encourage one another, I just pray that uh, we never take it for granted. Uh, uh, just to start off um, before we pray, uh, just standing around this morning and listening to uh, sisters and brothers converse and, you know, just hearing about things like an 18-year-old committing suicide and 27-year-old dying suddenly. And uh, from a personal standpoint, I just lost my, uh, my maternal brother yesterday. And uh, I just want to share with everyone, so you won't have to read it on Facebook. Um, and, uh, you know, um, this is personal, but I have uh, my maternal sisters who are really struggling with it. And knowing what to say, what not to say, you know, they have to grieve in their own way. And uh, just being able to not give advice and opinion about what they should or shouldn't do how they should or shouldn't react or respond uh, physically. But uh, my words of encouragement to them and to you is there's always hope. Always hope. Our God never quits. He keeps working in us and, and how he's shown me personally through these times when uh, once upon a time, how do you? How does one handle death? And now, uh, I thank God that He is is showing me. I haven't really nailed it yet, but uh, you know, He's showing us how we can do that. And, and I, I praise God for all of you. Uh, just continue to pray for us, my myself and my sisters. Uh, there were three of us brothers, and some of you remember a year or two ago. We lost one bro a younger brother, and this was a middle brother. So as far as the family and the males go, I'm last man standing. So uh, praise God that uh, he saw fit to do that. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just give thanks for uh, how you've shown us uh, who you are, and you continue to show us whose we are, and I pray that we would always lean on you, Father, and not on our own understanding. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think about, you know, what in your word says, or it says in song that we are prone to wander. And these are the times that cause us to question how good you are. And Lord, we know, we know with uns no, no uncertainty what a great God you are, how you continue to keep uh, strengthening us, encouraging us through these times. And Father, I just look around and, and I see overcomers. I see survivors. I see people Men, women, sisters, and brothers who are strong in the faith and their trust is in you and you alone. So I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done. And I thank you for what you're going to do in each and every one of our lives, individually and collectively. So I give praise and honor to you in everything, Lord. And I pray that you would just continue to work on each and every one of our hearts, Father. If it requires a, plant, a transplant, a heart transplant, I prefer uh, to have you do it than any doctor. You are that great physician. So I pray for more of you, Father, and may you uh, inhabit this place today. I know you're doing it already. I know you will continue. So have your way in this place. Thank you, Lord. I bring uh, glad tidings from the Kellogg's family. Uh, they're back home. Uh, some of you know that already. They're resting. Glad to be home, back home in their own bed. 
and Pastor Rob can have seconds now. Uh, so, so, so we're thankful for, for that opportunity. So today, uh, we're going to uh, dig into uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, Lord willing. Uh, and I've titled this, We've Left Our First Love. And even though some of us may want to deny that because we're doing most of the things that edify our Lord. But our Lord is a, a full-time God. And he preferred to have our hearts 100% of the time. So verse 1, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And, and we, we hear that and we say depart from the faith. And we want to make one thing clear right at the onset. You cannot lose your salvation. Amen. Can't be done. And sometimes we feel that way because we stumble, we fall, and we consider that as we fail. But in God's world, you don't fail. That's not failure. Failure is refusing to get up and acknowledge him one more time. And I'm just so thankful that, that there's some of us who, who feel that way, and there's some of us who are really strong, and we continue to hold on. And, and the Holy Spirit through the scripture has repeatedly warned us of the dangers of apostasy. For those who don't understand, apostasy, apostasy is the abandonment of departure from the faith or turning away. And we see that today. We see uh, so many of our sisters and brothers who were with us in the faith. And now, because of the influence of the powers that be, the talking heads, they're believing a different doctrine. They're buying into what I refer to as a fear factor. Well, I can't go out because if I step out of this house, I'm going to die. Well, I read the Bible once, and it said to, it, that 100% of us are going to leave here. It's not 99.9, it's 100%. You're going to leave here with something. And in the meantime, we need to learn to trust in the Lord. We need to. It's not an option it's not a suggestion. Trust in the Lord. Plain and simple. And unfortunately, uh, when I think of those who were with us, and, you know, and this is not from a judgment standpoint, but because they are not here with us in person, face to face, at least two people are missing out of what the Lord has to give us, has to offer us. They're missing out because there are people here now who get joy pleasure out of seeing their sisters and brothers here but they're not here they're home multitasking home chilling in their jammies they're home because it's a lot more convenient to be home as opposed to making the trip here and and and, and. but they're missing out and we're missing out and unfortunately the problem with that is when you are thinking selfishly Internally, you're not considering the fact that someone is missing a time of fellowship with you, that you're missing a time of fellowship with them. And it may be more convenient to stay home, depends on how you define convenient, but it's really not about that. So my question to them, and at the risk of sounding judgmental, 
Do you believe the whole Bible? Do you believe that it's okay to forsake the assembly of the saints? And this could lead to a debate and argument. Well, I, it's risky for me to go out. It's risky for any of us to be here right now because of what's going on around us if you choose to believe that. But that's up to you. And what I'm getting at is I would love to see our sisters and brothers in person. I'm encouraged by them, and I pray that they're encouraged by me. And it's necessary, absolutely necessary. Uh, the first uh, thing that we're going to talk about is how we've been warned of this apostasy, this turning away, this abandonment of the faith. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we hear this because uh, I'm going to read a couple uh, passages here. They're, they're lengthy, but we'll move on from there. Uh, the first one is Matthew 24, uh, verses 4 through 12. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, must. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And, become, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You've seen it. You're seeing it. Uh, it's difficult to watch, but it's happening. You're seeing a nation that's divided on so many counts. And if we don't have something uh, specific to divide ourselves with, we'll create something. You know, if we can't do it based on ethnics or morals or anything else, we'll, we'll base it around finances. We'll base it around your personality. We'll base it around anything that we can come up with. Some of us just like division. We like to hate. That's not the heart of God. Not at all. The second uh, verse that, that I like to refer to is Thessalonians 2, verses uh, 3 through 12. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may reveal in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now remains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless, are one. The lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power 
signs and lying wonders, and with all uprightness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, and they should believe the lie. Is it happening, my sisters? Is it happening, my brothers? I say yes. And for the reason, and for that, this reason, God will send them strong delusion, and they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in the unrighteousness. It's around us, folks. It's around us every day. The question is, are you buying into the lie, a lies? Are you buying in? Are you buying what they're selling? And don't misunderstand me. We have to be careful. But God has given us wisdom and discernment to know a lie from the truth. You want to know the lie? Read the truth. You'll be able to recognize it immediately when that false prophet is in the midst and he's, he's given us information and that is truth today and next week it's a lie. Some of us are not paying attention. Some of us are buying in whatever's current. Some of us are getting our facts from YouTube. Some of us are getting our facts online. Read the word of God. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Some of us have become dull of hearing. Well, I listen. Yeah, you listen, but are you hearing? Are you hearing when these things uh, are being said to us and they just don't line up with the word of God? You're listening, but are you hearing? Are you able to discern when that, when the, the, these uh, executive orders are sent down or whether it's the law? Are you concerned that there are others among us who want to destroy this nation? Yeah, but why would anybody do that? That doesn't make sense. And you're right. It doesn't make sense, but it's happening. Uh, whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. How many of us has spiritually graduated from the bottle or the pacifier to real food, godly food. How many? And I, I, in my heart, I want to thank everyone in this room, but I can't do it. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, there's some among us who don't believe me. There's some among us who don't accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior yet. Yet. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Let's be about our father's business. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, what's this thing about age? I, you know, so that's saying because I'm beyond 40 years old that I should get this? No. It speaks of maturity. There, there are some in here who are young, 
and are devoted to the cause. And there are some of us who are older and not. But again, we, can be, uh, we, we can't be a judge, but we can be fruit inspectors. So don't judge me, bro. All I'm going by is what I see. I'm just going by the fact that you say that you're a Christian. You go to church on Sundays, but yet those other six days you're raising hell. It's hard for me to say that, but I don't need to say that. The Lord knows your heart. Uh, and I, uh, on a personal note, um, since uh, yesterday, uh, the, typically the first question I get is, was your brother Walter saved? And I struggle with how to answer that. I struggle with it because at one time he was sold out to the Lord. And over the years, uh, from a personal standpoint, alcohol became his God. So I'm not sure how to answer that question, but the Lord put on my heart. And that's what I started out with this. Salvation is, is there. So I just say yes. You don't know. I know. Just say yes and move on from there. So now, when since yesterday, actually, someone asked that question. Yeah, he was saved without hesitation. But that was the Holy Spirit working in me because my flesh wanted to say, well, I knew this back in 1984, but this is what I know as of yesterday. And so I'm going to say no. Richard, what are you saying? That his salvation was taken away? You're, you're, you're being a little hip, uh, hypocrite here, buddy. So just say, yes, Walter is home with the Lord, and he's resting. Praise God for that. Okay, the last lengthy scripture, Hebrews 6, 1 through 8. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of God, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were only enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good work of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance since they, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God. And put him to an open shame, for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, if it is rejected and near being cursed, whose end is to be burned? And these are the kind of questions that we need to ask ourselves. Are we sold out to the faith and I pray that when someone asks the question, are you saved? Don't say I'm religious. Can't tell you what to do, but everybody's religious. We are part of a faith system. And it's not faith in faith, it's faith in God. So I pray that we just continue to, to seek his face daily. None of us are locked in because we are prone to wander. All of us, everyone in this room, and in pixel land, prone to wander. And we know that. Verse 2 of First Timothy chapter 4. Peter, Peter 3.3, 3, knowing this first, that scoffers would come in the last day walking according 
to their own lust. That's mankind, my friends, walking to our own lust. And it's an issue that we all deal with. No one's immune. Everyone, every one of us have something that, that, that weakness, that Achilles tendon, that Achilles heel that's within us. We're wrapped in flesh. And so we are prone to do these things. And, and, you know, last time I got an opportunity to speak with you guys, we talked about the word covetousness. And it's, it's, it's a large umbrella. No matter how great a saint you are, you're overcomers, you're survivors. But yet within you, there's something that just won't let you surrender all. I'm guilty. You're guilty. And I know that. But God, thank you for God. Uh, in the first John, it says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So he's given us uh, hints. <laughs> he's given us a reason to, to, to trust and believe that he really knows. God knows. This is the last hour. And we see the things that are going on around us. Uh, men being lovers of themselves. Men who are willing to do anything to gain a little bit more filthy lucre. Women who are selling out to what God, God called them to be. And some less and some a bit more than God called for. We're not obeying the commandments of God. Um, some of you are familiar with the word consequences, and that doesn't necessarily denote anything negative. It can, and most times it does scripturally. But there's going to be consequences for our actions. There was consequences for all the things that, that I mentioned in the onset, 18-year-old, taking his life. It didn't just happen right then and there. Something happened prior to that. 27-year-old dying suddenly. It really wasn't suddenly in God's eyes. It's consequences of how we choose to live. And all of us, everybody, no exceptions. Uh, Jude 18, how they told you that there would be markers in the last time who would walk according to their ungodly flesh. I read, uh, referred to that already, but the latter times is a period from the first coming of Christ until his return. Apostasy will exist throughout that period and will reach a climax or crescendo shortly before Christ returns. He's coming back. We have an opportunity to try and get it right. It's there. No time like the present, my friends. Yeah, but I got some things to work out and then I'll, I'll, I'll commit to him. He didn't, he didn't tell Walter that he could fill in his calendar for next month. He didn't tell that young man that uh, you know, he could start uh, going into his cell phone and filling in his calendar. He didn't tell the other young man that he had time to prepare you know, because he was youthful. Well, I got time. No, you don't. You don't. Seek him while he can be found. First John uh, 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. 
For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Be careful, my friends. Be careful. Uh, we want to trust our, our friends, our, our sisters and brothers. Every brother is not a brother. Every sister is not a sister, mister. Be careful who we subject ourselves to. What I found in my personal life is that if I want to hang out with my ungodly friends to try and save them, <laughs> I find out that I usually end up going in their direction rather than coming in mine. This is what the Lord has shown me. Jude one twenty four. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you fruitless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And deceiving spirits and our demonic spirits that invade our hearts. With deception directly or through false teachers who have wandered away from the truth and led others to do the same. And some of these false teachers, uh, they're very uh, smooth. They can tell us a lie and have us think it's nothing, the truth and nothing but the truth. It has happened to some of us. We've lost friends. We've lost finances. We've lost uh, communication because of some of these false teachers. They can have an effect on us before we realize it. Doctrines of demons, they don't teach about demons, but false teachings that originate from these same demons. We're not teaching them. We're not, we're not teaching serve, serve uh, the Christ, but we're teaching things that don't lend itself to what the word of God says. If it's not godly, then it's ungodly. There's no gray area in the Bible. You do or you don't. You will or you won't. Speaking in a, uh, verse two, uh, speaking of the, in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And these human uh, false teachers propagate demon doctrine. And they find that, oh, they're buying it. They're buying in. So let's crank it up. Even in our world today, where we've, uh, the first wave of fear, we've sort of gotten comfortable with it. Okay, so that doesn't mean I'm going to die just because I walk out of my house. I'm okay now. So the, the powers that be said, well, okay, we don't have as much control now, so let's crank up the old fear factor just a little bit. And now we're buying in again. Where does it end, my friends? It doesn't. It doesn't. If I can control you by fear, and you get to the point where you're comfortable, this this. Now, this fear was hot. Now it's lukewarm. So now I got to make it hot again. I got to keep my control over you. Trust in God. God created us with the conscience as our self-judging faculty. We know the basic standard of right and wrong. We know his word is written on our heart. It is, folks. Well, not mine. Yes. If you have a heart, his word is written on it. When we violate that standard, our conscience produces guilt, which produces fear, which produces shame, which produces doubt, 
as warning of threats to the well-being in our soul. That's what it does. When a believer does God's will, we enjoy affirmation, a blessed assurance, peace, and joy of a good conscience. Not seared. Uh, just when, when that heart is seared, whatever's inside stays inside. Whatever's outside stays outside. It's seared. Nothing gets in. It's like a closed fist. Nothing gets in. Nothing gets out. That's not living. That's existing. We want to live. There's life in God. There's life in his blood. There's life in salvation. We don't want to hinder that. We don't want to prevent that. Let's keep opening it up. Seared is a medical term referring to cauterization. With the false teachers, their heart and nerves are destroyed and turned into scar tissue by the burning of demonic deception. That's where they are. Well, how can a man of God teach false doctrine? Well, ask yourself this. What is that man of God's motive? Is it a man of God? I can't judge him. But I know what I see or don't see. For every creature of God is good. Let me back up. Verse 3. Forbidding, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. The false prophets' uh, teachings contain elements, elements of truth, just a little truth, just to get them to buy in. But singleness and fasting. The deception came and both of these were taught as prerequisite for salvation. An example for us today would be, have you been baptized? Well, no. Then you're not saved. Nonsense, my friends. And this is a, 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 sort of like that, that that was being taught. In order to, there were, there were false prophets who were saying, in order to serve Jesus fully, you've got to be married. And there were others who were saying, in order to serve Jesus fully, you must remain single. Conflict. What is truth? Hmm. Wow. Mosaic dietary restrictions. Uh, they were temporary. Uh, the word of God has set aside the temporary mosaic diet restrictions and compared that to the unbeliever whose inner corruption and evil motives corrupt every good thing. And if you are corrupt, it applies to anything that, that touches you or anything that you touch. That corruption is there. Even though you say, I'm a good person, examine your life. You might want to rethink that. What, is a good, what makes a good person? They're religious systems that base themselves on the fact that they are a good person. I've never stolen anything. I've never murdered anyone. I've never cheated, so I'm a good person. Au contraire. If 
uh, verse 6, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith of the good doctrine which you are, have carefully followed. And nourish refers to a continual feeding of the truth of Scripture, continually, continually feeding of the Spirit. That feeding is essential to the spiritual health of all Christians, all, not some, not most, not a few. It's essential to all, that continual feeding. How do you get fed continually? You get fed continu- the word is available to us like it's never been for any other generation. Keep feeding. Only by reading God's word, studying it, meditating on it, and mastering his content can a pastor fulfill his instruction. And in this context, words of faith is a general reference to the scripture of God's. God's revealed truth. And uh, with, with our senior pastor now, we're going through um, the book of Revelation. It's revealing. And now he's revealing these things to us. And there are mysteries still, and there will be mysteries until he comes back. Things that I wonder about even now. You know, and, and a lot of weird questions. And you know, I, I had a conversation with one of the brothers this morning. And Richard, that's kind of weird. I'll tell you what the question was. Is salvation free? No response, but think about it. Is salvation free? Is it free? And then I thought, you know what? Hmm, some are going to say yes, some are going to say no. But my mind went back to paid in full. So what does that say? Is that a yes or a no? Is salvation free? You be the judge. Moving on. Um, <laughs> We're, uh, good, good doctrine indicates the theology of, of Scripture and what it teaches. Good doctrine. This is good doctrine. This is good doctrine. And, and any time uh, this book is dissected and we have those among us, maybe even in this room, who are buffet-style Christians. Well, what do you mean by that? That's kind of weird. Uh, it means that I pick and choose the things that support what I believe in. I don't believe that. I don't believe this because, hey, that was a different time. It was a different culture, and those things don't apply anymore. So I got a problem with that. The word says God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And you, Mr. Spiritual Giant, are telling me that things are different than they were back in that day. So we have to change. And uh, I remember when I was a young kid, I was talking with Abraham Lincoln. And, 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 and he said that, Richard, I heard you say that you want God on your side. I don't think you really mean that. I think what you mean to say is you want God, you want to be on God's side because God's always right. And you've proven over time, Richard, that you're wrong. I won't give a number. I just said a good percentage of the time. And so you want to be on God's side, not him on your side. And, and I just remember that, you know, with the, we were both sitting there with the pipes and our tall hats. And 
Verse 7, but reject profane and old wives' tales and exercise yourself towards godliness. And believers must avoid all false teachings. All. How will we recognize the truth? To recognize the truth is to read the truth. To recognize a lie is to read the truth. And that's it. And profane, in this context, profane refers to worldly, which is the opposite of what is holy. Fables refers to the old word mythos from which we get the word myths. Don't believe the old wives' tales. Why are they call old wives' tales? Because old wives' tales or fables were commonly denote something that, that was fit only for the uneducated and unsophisticated. So it could be old guys' tales as far as we're concerned. It doesn't matter. Uneducated and unsophisticated. I'll buy that lie. Where does that end? Godliness in this context godly speaks of a proper attitude and response towards God, which is necessary for all effective ministry to flow. We can block those blessings. We can block our blessings because we are not edifying the Lord in our lives. And that will, the blessings will cease to flow. Now, here's the thing. Does that mean that God does not bless those who don't believe? He does. God's got a problem. God is love. And that's the only thing that can flow out of him. So we're all his children. So he just continues to bless the unbelievers as well. Well, that's not fair. Uh, Did anybody ever tell you that life was fair? God is just. He's sovereign. He can't help it. When he speaks When he looks, when he hears, love is the only thing that pours out. And we're thankful for that. But it's hard for us to accept that God blesses them. We were them. We are them. We didn't always care to come to church. We didn't always care to read our Bibles. We didn't always care to go to Bible study, worship service. We didn't always care for that. But God still poured out his blessings on us in spite of us. And he still does to this day. There's some sitting in this room right now. Their minds are on Daytona Beach. God is still blessing them. There's some who's sitting here now concerned with the cares of the world. What happened yesterday? The fact that they burned the the ham on New Year's Eve or whatever, you know, they're thinking about these things. God is blessing in spite of that. And the fact that you, you overcame that season that we go through, that, that period that we go through, uh, fellowshipping with relatives that we wouldn't normally be around. He got you through it, folks. Overcomers, survivors, still pouring out the blessings. You, you woke up this morning and there were new mercies on your pillow. Did you deserve any of that? No, no, we didn't. But he just continues to pour it out on us. Wow. Um, Godliness speaks of a proper attitude and response toward God, which is necessary for all effective ministry to flow. And exercise, in this context, is an athletic term denoting the rigorous self-sacrificing trainer an athlete goes through. Spiritual discipline is a path to godly living. 
Spiritual discipline. What does that encompass? Praying. And it doesn't have to be stuff and things. Encouraging our sisters and brothers in the word of God. Putting others above yourself. Keeping in mind that in your relationship, it's all about that threefold cord. Is that where our hearts are? If it isn't, that's where they need to be. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. For bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that is wished to come. Bodily exercise is limited both in extent and duration. It affects only the physical body during this earthly time. And profitable for all things is that all things speak of time and eternity. All things, all things. What we're doing now, what we're doing today, what we did yesterday, Lord willing, whatever we do tomorrow, if it his will, those things all speak to time and eternity. Everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you've got, everything that you're going to get is all about Jesus. And I pray that we, we really understand what that means. A lot of us are not really sure. And the men that I get to fellowship with, uh, we made a, a, a commitment to each other that we were never going to assume anything. Well, this guy goes to church, so he must really know his stuff. No. We're not going to assume anything. And just like me standing here today, I'm saying, well, Richard, that's blatantly obvious to me. But what about this guy over here? This might be his first time in the church. This might be his or her first time hearing the word of God. Don't assume anything. Well, you know, we all know these, the, 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 this particular book or that particular book. No. No, so take that attitude anytime you're ministering to anyone. And I, I just remember a, a certain religious group that used to come to the door, and they would have conversations with us. And then we would mention the word Jesus all of a sudden. Boop, the great divide. But I assume we were talking about the same Jesus. And, you know, back in the days when I used to work for a living, one of the things that the guys used to say, assume nothing. And some of you know how to expand on that. But don't assume anything. I, standing here, I won't assume anything. I won't assume that everyone in this room is a Christian. And before we, we leave, I pray that if there's anyone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, that today would be that day of salvation. You're going to hear that again before we leave today. Because I mean that from the center of my heart. Verse 9, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Few could be considered a worse sinner than someone who blasphemed God and persecuted his church. Paul's attitude towards himself dramatically changed in uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 9. Some of us do not understand the true purpose of the law. Another potential great divide. The law or grace? And in my heart, I'm thinking... There is no one today who knows the Lord 
and their lives are based around the law. Wrong. There are some of us who will debate, are we under the law? Are we under grace? And most of us will say, well, that's ridiculous. And you're right. It is. But we have to account for that and knowing that we don't know when we're talking to a baby Christian. We don't know when we're talking to someone from a different religious system that it's based on the law. And that's what these false teachers were teaching. The law. Oh, yeah, I like the law because now I, I can look at you and look at me and see how I measure up. And if you're higher than me, then I'm not going to measure up to you anymore. I'm going to find someone who's lower than I am. So I'm the dominant one. That's what we do. You want to compare yourself? Compare yourself to Jesus. Well, that's a little tough. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a lot tougher than comparing yourself to somebody like me. It is not a means of self-condemnation, sin, conviction, repentance, and God's mercy. In verse 10, for, for this to end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Trust can be substituted with the word hope. And I pray among so many things that, that I desire is that we would always know that there was hope we would not even acknowledge the word hopelessness in our lives, in our world, in our hearts, in our minds. There shouldn't be such a thing as hopelessness because that means that you've lost. You've left your first love. That means that you don't trust anymore. That means you're trusting in yourself and or man for your life. We can't afford to do that, my friends. Believers are saved in hope and live and serve in light of that hope of eternal life. True Christians work to the point of exhaustion and self-rejection and persecution, which is acceptable because believers understand we are doing God's work, which is a work of salvation that makes it worth all the sacrifices. Every sacrifice that we make, and these are not great sacrifices, we can sit here now without concern that someone's going to kick the door in and, and do unspeakable things to us. We don't have to be concerned about that. That makes it worth all the sacrifices. Paul is not saying that all men will be saved in the spiritual and eternal sense. Since the rest of scripture clearly teaches that God will not save everyone. Why wouldn't he? The reason he wouldn't is because he's love. He's love. He's love. He, he, he came and he gave his life that all will be saved. But God's a pretty smart guy, just in case you haven't been caught up on what's going on. And he knows that everyone's not going to accept it. I can, if I had money, I could come into the audience right now and give out $20 bills. Hypothetically, folks, please. There are some out there who say, I can't accept that. They won't accept it. They will not accept that gift. And we need to understand that. And obviously, I can't compare a $20 bill to, to the heart of God. But all I'm saying is that there are some who are going to reject him. This is one of the questions I'm waiting until I'm home with him. I'm going to ask him, how does a person taste and see that you are good, yet turn away? I don't get that. 
it's it just like, duh. It just doesn't make any sense to me. How do you do that? What is the downside to trusting God? I know what it is. I know what it was because I counted the cost. In order for me to serve this God that you serve, I've got to give up all the fun that I'm having with my friends. But he gets you past that point and you realize, first of all, it wasn't fun. Secondly, they weren't friends. Oops. Uh, all men experience some earthly benefits from the goodness of God. God is a savior of all men in a temporal sense and uh, of believers in the eternal sense. God's benefits include common grace, compassion, admonition to repent, and the gospel invitation. It's all good stuff, my friends. All good stuff. Doesn't get any better than that. And these things, uh, verse 11, these things command to teach. As Paul is exhorting Timothy, this same command from the Lord applies to us. What God has for you is for you. God says in his word that he's not a respecter of person. So what he's offering to Timothy, what he's offering to Paul, he's offering to you. And if that's not the case, then he is a respecter of persons. But he can't lie. So he says, not a respecter of persons. So that means what's available to them is available to you. And this is what's available to, to Paul. This is what's available to Timothy. And this is available, what is available to us. And uh, verse 12 said, let, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And Greek culture uh, placed uh, great value on age and experience. This is no different from how we respond to a person who is a young, who, excuse me, who is young, who is a novice, or both. Well, he can't possibly know that what he's talking about. He's only 30 years old. Well, this, this person is a sage, uh, and they're, uh, you know, 75, so they really must know their stuff. There's no correlation to either one of those, friends. They're young people who are grounded. They're the older ones of us who are not. So we can't place it on that. But in the Greek culture, that's what they did. In these five areas, Paul listed where Timothy was to be an example to the church, and we should also practice these examples. And these are the things that he talked about. He talked about in word, which speaks of speech. In conduct, refers to righteous living. In love, means self-sacrificing service to others. That's a sticking point for a lot of us. There's a song that says, it's all about you, Jesus. Everybody doesn't sing it that way. Some of them sing it, it's all about me, Jesus. That's an example of their heart, their mind, their soul, their spirit. In, In faith can be translated, not belief, but faithfulness or commitment. Those are the things that he's asking. Impurity, tough one, clean heart. Ooh, clean hands. 
don't know, Lord. Clean mind, especially sexual purity. That was a huge stumbling block, is a huge stumbling block for many of us. We say we're committed to our church, to our family, our wives, children, grandchildren. But opportunity knocks, and we might strongly consider it just for a minute. Who's going to know? It's just us. Nobody's going to know. I'm not going to tell anybody. You're not going to tell anybody. So who's going to know? That's internal thinking. God knows. And that's all that really matters. God knows. He knows your heart. He knows your motive. Uh, Timothy's life in these areas would offset the disadvantages of his youth. Some thought that he could not carry out the mission. He could not keep the charge. Because he was too young. He's too young to comprehend God's word. There's no such thing as that. Some, some of us, not me, were saved at an early age. And there were some who didn't believe that we could comprehend the Lord fully at that age. Some of us advanced now and we're still struggling to try and understand or comprehend what that word is really saying. But it's okay. We still got a chance. As long as the blood is running warm in your veins, you got a shot. Thirteen. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. These things were to be Timothy and our constant practice, our way of life. Reading is the custom of public reading of scripture in the church's worship service follows by the exposition of the passage that has been read. I can quote this passage, but now I have sisters and brothers who, Richard, as far as I'm concerned, that's French. No polyvou français. So you need to break that down. You need to give me the straight skinny, otherwise I'm not going to get that. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. Exhortation challenges those who hear the word to apply it in their daily lives. It may invoke rebuke, warning, encouragement, or comfort, or all of the above. When we are ministering to someone, we don't know how they're going to respond to it. Should we care? I don't know. It's up to you and God. But that doesn't, we have a charge to keep. That's all I can say. Doctrine, teaching, refers to systematic instruction from the word of God. That's what doctrine is. Systematic approach to teaching from the word of God. Doctrine isn't, well, this is what I think. I think women shouldn't wear pants. You know, I think uh, no, no guy should be sitting in a sanctuary with his hat on. No. No, no, that's not what it's about, my friends. What does this say? God doesn't judge us by the external. If he did, this place would probably be empty. If I was judging, it would be empty for sure. But that's not what it's about. He's not saying that. Do not, verse 14, do not elect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. 
and that grace given to Timothy and to all believers that salvation, which consisted of a God-designed, spirit-empowered, spiritual ability for the use of ministry. It was designed for that reason. Timothy's gift was leadership with special emphasis on preaching. Is that your gift? I don't know. I don't even know what my gift is. But God knows. God knows there, there are men and women in this place right now who have tremendous gifts. One problem is they got a basket over the candle. Well, I'm pretty shy. You know, I, I really don't like to you know, put myself out there. Are you ashamed of God before men? You know what he says. It's not good. Timothy's, uh, Timothy's gift was identified by revelation from God and apostolic confirmation during his time with Paul on this second missionary journey. That's when it was revealed. That's when, you know, God... Say, okay, Timothy, uh, I want you to step up your game. Timothy didn't say, well, Lord, I'm really not ready yet. Uh, can, can we just, can you give me another year to really, really nail this? Say, Timothy, if I wanted you to know this in a year, I would have waited a year to tell you. I call you now. I call you to step it up. I call you to be that, that, that Barnabas to Paul. And Timothy didn't reject it. He didn't reject it. He knew the goodness of God. We know the goodness of God. When he calls you, it means now. If the Lord puts this, puts this, uh, this in your heart to step up, to minister to that person, there are a lot of people among us right now who are hurting spiritually, physically, financially. They're hurting well, I didn't know that. Why don't you know that? It's not that we, we know everything about everybody, but this is where fellowship comes into play. I talked to him, I talked to her, and now I know what's going on. If the Lord wanted me to minister to that person, he would have put it on my heart. Did he not put it on your heart? This laying on of hands was a public affirmation of Timothy's call to the ministry. It likely took place at the same time as a prophecy. Tim and Timothy's call to the ministry was confirmed uh, in these three ways. Timothy's call to the ministry was confirmed subjectively by means of his spiritual gift, objectively through the prophecy made by him, Timothy, and collectively by the affirmation, affirmation of pastors, Apostles and the church represented by the elders. This is all God. This is nothing that we can conjure up. This is nothing. We can't save anybody. It's all God. 15. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. The word progress in this sense was used in military terms of an advancing force and in general terms of an advancement in learning, understanding, or knowledge. Paul encouraged Timothy to let his progress toward Christ-likeness be evident to all. And that's my encouragement to myself. That's my encouragement to you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I'm a Christian. Amen. Call me Bible thumper. Call me Jesus freak. Or any other terminology. Within reason. But I'm sold out. 
I pray that I will continue to be sold out. Can't be shaken. Can't be shaken. I'm, I'm anchored to the rock. Immovable. Trustworthy. Verse 16, and this is it. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. The, priority, the priorities of a godly leader are summed up in personal holiness and public teaching. Perseverance is believing the truth, always that the truth always accompanies genuine conversion. By careful attention to his own godly life and faithful preaching of the word, Timothy would continue to be the human instrument God used to bring the gospel and to save some who heard him. Though salvation is God's work, it is God's pleasure to do it through human instruments. All that's really saying is the only ability you need to serve the Lord is availability. That's it. Nothing else. You know, well, I'm not really smart. Well, who is? I don't know anybody who's really, well, I know one guy that's really smart, but I'm not going to name names. Uh, but that's what we need to do, folks. We need to understand that he has a mission, a purpose for each and every one of our lives. Everyone. Well, I don't really understand my gifts. And a lot of times we don't. We don't know we're searching, 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 but he'll let you know. If you are having communication with the Holy Spirit, he will make it obviously clear what your mission is. You know, there's just so much talent, godly talent, sitting in this room that we've never seen. And some of us seeping out, seeping out a little encouragement from time to time. But for the most part, we don't want to expose ourselves in a, in a good sense. So much. So let's, uh, let's get out there and give them Jesus. Let's get out there and give them heaven. Let's get out there and encourage and be encouraged. Let's get out there and be about our Father's business. That's what he calls us to. And I pray that each and every one of you heard something today, one or two words that might have been encouragement. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who heard something that they were discouraged by, Father. I just pray that you would just erase it even now. Uh, your word tells us uh, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Father. And, and I want to believe that every sister that's sitting here today, every brother that's in the midst, Father, knows you, has a relationship with you, trusts you, understands you, and wants to be about what you're calling us to. I pray that none of us will be the person that hides our, our talent under a basket, our skills that you've given us, godly, godly talents. I pray that that would not happen. So if there's anyone here today who does not know you yet as our Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be that day of salvation, Father, and that they would come, uh, as, as it shows in your word, asking the question, what must I do to be saved? I thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to share with one another. I thank you for my sisters and brothers, Father, their dedication to uh, being a, a, a light, a beacon, uh, that salt that gives flavor. I just thank you for that. And I, I pray for those who are struggling, Father, uh, to, to just to just do the right thing at all times, that they would understand that 
because we are wrapped in that flesh that there are going to be times where we are going to stumble. But I pray that we, we don't lay there and wallow in the mud, that we get up and allow God to clean us off and send us on our way again. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out. And uh, just uh, enjoy the balance of your day, the balance of your week. And uh, just uh, continue to pray for the body.